Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to the You Are Not Alone podcast. I'm your host, Jess Palmer, and in this space, we love to create conscious community through conscious connection and conscious conversations. You guys know the drill. And I know it's been a little bit since I've posted an episode. It's been about two or three weeks, and I've honestly just been trying to find my flow with my business and really find where it is I best navigate in terms of like my workflow and productivity and my content creation and all of that and I do believe that in life and in creating we go through periods of hibernation right and right now as we are entering winter We are in hibernating mode, so if you have found that your productivity or workflow has slowed down a bit, just give yourself compassion. We're not in the motivating, fiery time of summer. We are now cooling down, winding down, and going within, so honor your workflow, man. Honor where you're at, and don't put pressure on yourself to meet this expectation to keep the grind going, so to speak. And so what I've been doing is I've been going through a metamorphosis, so to speak. And over Scorpio season, I was doing a lot of unearthing, a lot of unpacking, a lot of sitting with my limiting beliefs around worthiness and money and success and what it all meant and where I fit into all this. Where does my story as a coach fit into this? And as you know, many of you listeners know, and if you don't know, this is your first episode ever tuning in to the You Are Not Alone podcast. Firstly, welcome. I'm Jess Palmer, and I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder in 2018. And I've also been diagnosed with anxiety as well as clinical depression um, as when I was in high school. Excuse me, throat chakra. Here we go. (laughs) When I was in high school, I was diagnosed with anxiety and clinical depression. So that's my story, and part of my story, part of why I share my atypical mind with you listeners, with people, part of the community that I'm in, um, I share this because it goes against what what society deems as successful, right? Um, Typically, you don't hear about atypical minds or people who experience symptoms of depression and anxiety and bipolar and chronic fatigue and illness and autoimmune like we don't hear the success stories of those entrepreneurs of those CEOs of those creators and healers who are doing their best to show up in their work but are also having to show up for themselves you know mental illness is an everyday battle sometimes depending of where you're at on the spectrum of feeling and emotions and experience And sometimes, you know, this can really slow down, you know, your work process. And so what I'm saying is what I've been doing is really looking at my workflow and my process, really looking at my mental health and the flows and the patterns that present themselves to me. And how can I best harness each moment, each phase? How can I really do the rest when I'm hermiting and when I'm going within? How can I really put my work out there when I'm, you know, feeling extroverted and feeling as though I can you know express myself outwardly like how can I best utilize these moments in my life and these flows to still show up consistently in my business and my community and so you know many of you know and if you don't I'm a compassion coach I help people come home to themselves through rooted self-care and boundaries and I 
you know, initially thought that I wanted to work with the individual. But over this time of transformation and reflection, I really come to the knowing that I want to work with entrepreneurs who have atypical minds such as myself and help them find a workflow and product productivity schedule that works for them, as well as consistent and heart-based centered content that really tells a story and really brings in your audience to get to have them get to know you and create that personal relationship with. And then looking at, you know, different business strategies from a more intuitive approach versus a more masculine nine to five work 40 hours a week type of grind. I'm really trying to break that mold of the grind movement and, you know, show that the anti-grind movement is here. It's here to stay. It's here to thrive. And we don't have to kill ourselves anymore working countless hours and placing all these unrealistic expectations on ourselves. And, and so with all that being said, my big announcement is that I'm rebranding. You know, I have a brand called Half Moon Healings and I've met and connected with so many amazing people and I've had some issues with that account in regards to the algorithm and trying to get certain features on my account. Um, It's just been a technical difficulty type of year with this account that I've been trying to work with Instagram to fix, trying to work with Facebook and no one can help me basically it it is it's like a glitch in the system my account is just it's lacking in a lot of the resources and tools that I could be using as a creator to reach um you know a larger audience and create content that's like up to date I'm very much a Scorpio sun where I'm like I need to have all the tools and all the resources available to me so I can make the best content ever and it's just the competitive nature I have with myself so like not being able to fully use my account to its greatest ability has really felt like I have been lacking. And I know that's a silly type of mindset, but, you know, I have been feeling called to start over, to start fresh, to build up a community of people who are here for what I'm offering, not just people who have come from, you know, my old business page and what I was more products-based service before. So I'm rebranding to The Compassionate CEO, which you can find me on Instagram if you want to follow me there and continue this journey together at The Compassionate CEO. And the Facebook groups, um, the Half Moon Healings community will now be shifting to the Compassion community. And I'm building out my website, which I will let you guys know soon when that's done. And yeah, I'm really excited for this change and shift because it feels so in alignment with what I'm doing. Like, I don't fear the fact that I'm starting over. I don't fear the fact that I'm doing something completely different. If anything, I'm really embodying it and owning it and allowing myself to flow, allowing myself to honor my process, honor the fact that I am changing and shifting and growing. It's okay to change your mind. It's okay to take a different route. You know, if you're an entrepreneur, you are your own CEO, so you get to make the rules, homie. You don't have to, like, appease everybody else. This is your motherfucking business, and this is my business, and I'm really stoked for the changes to come, and so I'll still be over at Half Moon Healings promoting some things as I transition to my new account, Um, But that account will be retired by the end of this year, if not like early January 2021. So if you want to be a part of that community, I would love nothing more than to have you there. And last but not least, and I promise we'll be getting into this episode soon with Jess Reese, the Death Empath, which this interview is amazing. You guys are going to love it. Um, I did announce on my Instagram 
that my eight-week one-on-one business coaching program, The Compassionate CEO, The Waitlist, is now open. So this program is a one-on-one experience with four 90-minute bi-weekly calls where we connect and see what type of mindset you have around your business. You know, what limiting beliefs are holding you back in regards to your workflow and productivity and content creation and How can we have a more intuitive approach to your business, a more compassionate approach to your business instead of judging yourself for how you show up each day, instead leaning into who you truly are, leaning into your true rhythms and flows. And we use tools like the Ayurveda clock to help get you to where you want to be with how you show up in your work each day. We use different productivity apps and tools to really streamline and automate your business if that feels good for you. But it's a very intu- an intuitive container that although these are what we'll go over, that space is truly for you to come to me and be like, Jess, this is what I'm experiencing in my business. This is a block and a form of resistance that is holding me back that I want to shift into. And so this is really for the self-aware and self-driven atypical entrepreneur who's really ready to shift their approach to business and look at it from a more intuitive and compassionate way. And if that resonates with you, send me an email at jess at thecompassioncommunity.com or reach out to me on Instagram at thecompassionateceo and we can get on a complimentary discovery call and just go over your goals and what you're looking to grow in your business and how I can be of service to you. So, Without further ado, after all of those long-awaited updates, um, you know, today we have the beautiful Jessica Reese, also known as the Death Empath on Instagram. She is a death doula, amazing intuitive healer, great friend, and community builder. I honestly love Jess so much. We connected this year in quarantine, and she has helped me come home in such a authentic and compassionate way. She told me to lean into my crazy when we had a session over the summer and ever since then I truly feel like I've shifted in the sense that I do accept myself and my eccentricness a lot more now because of her medicine and her wisdom and her guidance and you know in this episode we talk a lot about mourning and grieving, ancestral healing, We talk about a lot of cultivating self-awareness and leaning into the episodes that you might be experiencing if you have a more atypical mind where you experience symptoms and how to lean into these episodes with less judgment and just really learning to love your ebbs and flows. And as a trigger warning, we do discuss suicide, self-harm, death ideation, and sexual abuse. So if those topics are... um, sensitive to you. I welcome you to skip out on this episode. I take no offense to it, but there is a lot of healing and vulnerable expression that I think would benefit anyone to listen to. Jess's story is very powerful. She's overcome a lot in her life, and she's one of the strongest people I know. So without further further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode with Jess Connect with me on Instagram at the Compassionate CEO, and I love you guys. Enjoy and happy holidays to you and your loved ones and fam. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to the You Are Not Alone podcast. I am your host, Jess Palmer, and in this communal space, we like to create conscious community through conscious connection and conscious conversation. 
And today I have my lovely friend, Jessica Reese, also known as the Death Empath on Instagram, who is a death doula, a very wise, intuitive, empathic individual who has such strong community building skills. And her Instagram platform is really a place of community support and education. And this is, you know, an someone that I personally look up to and love to connect with. And I really think you're going to resonate with Jess and her story today. As we talk about, you know, her journey with mental health, how it's brought her here today, some things that have helped along the way, and all the good things like that. So thank you, Jessica, so much for being here today. I'm so pleased to have you and really honored to be graced with your presence today. And I would love to know more about you as I'm sure the listeners would and your journey to mental health and how you got here today. Hi Jess, I'm actually really uh, excited to be here too. It's always such a pleasure, you know, chatting with you in general. So I'm looking forward to this for sure. How I got into becoming a death doula. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love to know just your whole journey, your whole story. Yeah, so it's it's really interesting because I'm currently in another kind of transition, which we were talking about right before we got on, right? And um, uh, the death doula side of me, like why I became a death doula kind of happened uh, after an event. My, my husband's grandmother passed away by herself and it was kind of shocking to my system. And I didn't, it was one of those things where you never, you don't really think about how people die and that they die by themselves or alone. And right. um that was something that really prompted this crazy research into like how to volunteer a hospice or how do I help people who are passing away by themselves. And then um, this term came up, which was end of life doula, death companion, death midwife, uh, death caregiver, and then death doula. And um, I found the most, um, it was Anelda. So Anelda kept popping up, which is the International End of Life Dual Association. And they had, and I just had this calling to, to work with them. And so I looked up their trainings and they had one in Madison, Wisconsin. And I was like, I've never been to Madison, Wisconsin before. Let's, let's make a trip. Yeah. And ended up being this really incredible kind of adventure. Um, because not, I didn't just go to Madison, Wisconsin. I went to like Detroit and I went to Brooklyn and I visited like friends and family. So I did this whole 10 day trip and it was very healing, but it ended up feeling more like a scared straight program. Interesting. <laughs> like, like I, um, so I am a suicide attempt survivor. I've tried attempting suicide three times before the ages, the age of 21. I used to self mutilate and cause a lot of, and do a lot of like self harming uh, suicide and death ideation up until four years ago. So I romanticized death a lot in my, in, ha in dying and not wanting to be here. Like I really had a hard time existing. Um, I was sexually abused when I was young. I'm a, you know, when I was a child and that really took so much from me, meaning like I no longer felt like I had any self-worth or value. I felt like I wasn't good enough to even be alive or a human being. And so um, becoming a death doula helped heal a lot of that, helped heal a lot of the being, you know, feeling off or different or weird or um, emotional or dramatic, all these things that I grew up with believing because other t others would um, not fully understand what, 
or who I was because I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell anyone until I was in my twenties, what had happened to me. Mm. And so people just thought, you know, I had some major chemical imbalance and, you know, all of a sudden from nine to 10 years old, I was a different person. I went from being this very beautiful, vibrant, vivacious kid, loved everyone and everything and was like in awe of the entire world and uh, going to, and then I went from to this very, very dark, deep, sad place uh, where I stopped laughing and smiling and um, became very serious. And so people didn't know what to do with that. And when I discovered I went to become a death doula because I thought I could be of service to others and um, thought that if I was close enough to death, then it would help me stop romanticizing it so much. Mm, wow, right? that's powerful. So, yeah, so that's why I say it's a, it was a scared straight program. Interesting, um, but, okay. But once there, the training itself unpacks so much, right? So uh, most of the people that I did the training with had already lost someone and wanted to kind of, mm, with their learning and training, help themselves and others not experience what they had experienced, which was usually like a traumatic medical death or didn't put their parents into hospice soon enough, or they did, they were in hospice with their spouse and it was such an incredible experience. So I was maybe one, if not the only person there and my, mind you, like the youngest by like 20 years, um, that hadn't experienced this like bad death situation. But now I know I had experienced a version of my own death right. and my own dying. And so I was just trying to find a foothold on like, how do I grapple? Like, how do I understand what happened to me and how do I try fixing it? So mm. that's like my long journey into becoming a death doula and how it really did change my life. They, um, when you become a death doula and you go through training, they make you do a vigil and a vigil seems pretty close to like a suicide note. Okay. Uh, at least my suicide notes were very like, I want to be buried with flowers and in this dress in this particular way. Like I already, I think from a very young age had already been fascinated by death and dying. Um, and so I had combined this kind of these two things where I was like, yeah, my, it was very difficult for me to do my vigil during my training because I was like, I've already done this. And it just brought up all the scary, hurt feelings of the last time I tried committing suicide, I was 21. And here I am years later as like a grown person, business owner, entrepreneur, where I was like managing my clinical chronic depression, bipolar, all the things. Um, So, but yeah, Scared Straight program helped me unpack so much. It gave me permission to grieve the loss of my innocence, which is what I had been doing since the time I was nine years old, right? All the things that happened with the grieving. And from the time that I guided my very first person, which was ended up being my grandmother, she was like that final piece of the puzzle, that Mm -hmm. her passing, she's the one who like, I really feel she's the one who called me into becoming a death doula to begin with. But that's from that point forward, I haven't had a severe depressive full-blown episode since then. Interesting. So do you feel that being in your role as a death doula, especially with your grandmother, that that sort of provides some healing to you? Yeah, it's almost like, um, and this is where the 
very spiritual side of my work comes into play. I feel I'm, I'm a huge believer that you're, that when someone passes away, it's almost like an inheritance where they come in and they switch on all the switches, right? They do all these activations and they're like, here's your inheritance. And my grandmother left me with this like perseverance, resiliency, this like hundred years of existing and making it work. And also this, like, you are my legacy. You are my future. You are my bloodline. And I want to help the final healing happen by going in there with my last breath and helping this like activation because my grandmother and I weren't very close growing up. I'm like one of 80 grandkids. So you know what I mean? There's like, she was like the matriarch of like a 300 plus person family. So it was, I was just one in, in many. She always took care of us, fed us. Like she was like a kitchen witch. She always did like her herbal things. You know, she's like, has indigenous, um, ancestry. So she always like healed us the way she could but I was not like one of her favorites for sure. <laughs> and, and so that the fact that I was at her bedside guiding her in her last week or so of passing and her energy and mind cycled and she left me with this gift was just this very profound kind of like, oh my God, I meant to be here and do this work. Like it was like a total shift, complete total. I was like a different person. Right. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Like a very impactful experience for you. Like an instance that you can look back on and be like, wow, that was profound and how I've grown and shifted in my being and my mental health and energetic health too. It seems like it feels like you just released a lot as she also released her life. Yeah. It's all, it was like a a death and rebirth. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm feeling like a lot of ancestral healing has a lot to do with death work too. Is that true? Would you say? Yeah, I feel there's a combination. So when I'm working with people, sometimes they're activated when someone has passed away. You know, they'll say things like, I started getting all these crazy dreams and all these things started happening once my dad passed away. And that's where I talk about the inheritance of leaving gifts, activating gifts. And then there's also the, um, where we inherit trauma. Right. And when we start addressing trauma, because our ancestors, our forebears live in our cells and our organs and our tissue and our blood. And so we are part of them. And then if you start doing the work, if you start looking at who you are as a person, you are starting to heal that ancestral line. Mm, I started I to make that, that shift. Mm. Thank you for sharing that and for sharing that experience because obviously, as you know, death is a big taboo in today's society. And it's really been fun to watch how you take death and make it fun on your Instagram and you make really engaging content. And I've seen like since we've connected now, it's been at least a few months since we've been connected at the very least. And your content and platform have changed quite a bit. I'd love for you to touch upon like the inspiration behind making death more like approachable and like digestible for people. Yeah. So um, it's really interesting because when I first started doing this work, I was growing with it. As soon as I, I created Death Empath, uh, I realized she was like a baby, like I birthed this baby. And as she's growing, I'm growing. And uh, the community that I was building was really t- kind of navigating, telling me what they needed and how I could support them better. And, um, and in doing so, I was able to show up more authentically as myself. Mm. So um, when I first started, I was like, well, I'm going to just do the traditional death doula side. And yes, I'm an empath and intuitive, but you know, I want to make 
people don't know what a death doula is. So I want to make that accessible. And then as I started working with people, more um, healers, energy workers, practitioners were really drawn to me and my work. And so the guidance calls I would do, I realized that my own intuitive gifts were pretty strong. So I'm able to tap into someone's subconscious, right? Their higher selves and help guide them and navigate them while being in that space. And so that got stronger. And then when that started getting stronger, I was like, you know what? I can't do the normal breath work, meditation, yoga stuff because I don't, although I think those are incredibly beneficial tools, I personally am not hundred percent like familiar with all the things so I can teach that. But what I could do is what I know, which is how I healed yes. was, 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 and that was through my first, I call it my first lifetime in this life was I was a performing artist. I was a dancer and a theater major and um, minor in musical theater. So I knew that before I learned to speak, meaning before I learned to communicate my feelings and go through the therapy and like cognitive therapy, I danced to express myself and my feelings. I sang, I, I would act, I would do all these things. And I'm like, I need to put that in my work. And I remember the very first like death dancing I did, I was so nervous. I was like, are people even going to get this? This seems so weird because I started off just like by giving inspirational little like, you know, posts and a picture of me and illustrations and another inspirational post. And um, it went off really well right off the bat. Like right in the beginning, people just really, the people that connected, connected. And then that made me connect to my community even more so. And yourself. and my, oh, absolutely myself, because it gave me a once a week, like I get to pour all my feelings out, dance all my feelings out, which is what I say. I'm like, we're here to unstick all the sticky emotions and dance all our feelings out. And what it really is, if you're going to get technical, you're doing a somatic practice, right? You're using ecstatic dance to kick in the nervous system, to start bringing in dopamine and serotonin and, you know, all the fun chemicals in your body and start bringing in some alignment and grounding and release. And you're also getting some exercise. So it's almost like this win-win kind of scenario. And so I made sure this was like, I felt like my whole platform's like an intro. Like this is your intro to death and this is an intro to grieving and this is your intro to embodiment practices without using that terminology, you know? Being overwhelming with it. It's like you make things really like easy to digest. And what you said too is, by having your content be more authentic, you too can show up more authentic for yourself and your community. And so kind of circling back to, you know, having been diagnosed with bipolar, depression, et cetera, how do you find that you manage those, let's say, labels or boxes and flows within your own realm of business and creativity? What does that look like for you? So I love when we first started our conversation before we started recording, we talked about boxes, right? And then what I like to, I like to reframe them and say containers. Ooh, okay. Because boxes feel very confining, but a container yes. feels like I'm going to give you this container to do inside of it, whatever you feel like you need to. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you get to like wild out. You get to like, and, and the biggest thing for me when I had um, these labels when I was younger were very... Um, were very painful, were very detrimental when people were like, oh, you're, you're, you, excuse my language, you crazy bitch, you're fucking bipolar. You know, when people would say things yes. like that to me, it would be so, I would feel like I was a failure. I felt like I wasn't good enough to be alive. I feel, I, I pretty much would blame myself for 
for how I'd react to things. And now once I started leaning into my behaviors and allowing like my behaviors to really be my teachers, meaning I'm obviously having a manic episode for a reason. What's going on? I go work backwards. All right. You're in your mania. You're doing your crazy stuff. But what happened prior to this? Oh, you were super stressed out. Oh, you didn't sleep for like three days straight. You were you operating off of three, four hours of sleep and you ate like crap. Okay. So let's look at that. Do you think maybe those ways of existing factor into triggering this episode for you? And so it really started becoming more of this, like this research project of myself. I'm like, mm-hmm. what are my triggers? And, and then also really, um, when I say lean in, when I say lean into like the weird, the big, the like different, the feelings of mania, it's more like lean in so they can guide you, get past the chaos, mm-hmm. get past the like, even in deep, deep depression, right? Just allow yourself to be in that space without judgment. And once you're out of it, look back on, on it and go, okay, what exactly got me there? If you can, without criticism, without feeling like you're failing, with all the things, because you can really look at yourself honestly and go like, oh shit, I didn't sleep for like, four or five days. Right. No wonder. Or I had um, a really bad experience. My PTSD got triggered or some traumatic kind of feelings. Or as an empath, I took on, I was in this really big crowd of people and I took on all these emotions. And so now I'm in this like tornado of emotions and I'm, I'm completely totally depleted and burnt out. So once I started doing that, it really helped me understand my kind of ebbs and flows of, and I talk about ebbs and flows a lot, and I talk about rhythms a lot. And then there's ebbs and flows in our mental well being, there's ebbs and flows in our emotions, in our grieving, in death, all these nuances that because we feel like they're these painful parts of us, we don't look at versus when we go, yes, it hurts, it sucks, but I'm gonna take a really good look at it because I wanna get to know myself. This isn't just happening because it's just happening. And this is just for me, right? For me, I went, once I started looking at it going, this isn't just happening because it's just happening. Something's, something's leading up to all of this for right. me. I started learning how to manage it. And I learned how to stop judging my process. That I'd go, oh, okay, I'm about to hit a depressive episode. All right, so that means I'm going to binge watch Netflix for three days and it's all good. I get to catch up on all these like series people, <laughs> people keep talking about, you know? And now I have like cool things to say at a dinner table. So I started making it like a total part of who I am as a person versus going like, I need to get rid of this. I need to not be these things. I need to stop. I need to like stop being so broken. You know, I, I just would reframe. I would just reframe. Uh, I seem broken, but maybe this is just the way I made. Maybe I meant to like fall to all these pieces. I can fully understand what it's like for others to fall apart in all these little tiny pieces and to put and it back together empowering. right yeah and then becomes empowering because then you help others put themselves back together or like just relate or understand or are able to hold space for them in a different way so all these things that i experienced now i look at as these like very powerful tools to be able to relate to others to be able to say hey i got you there's nothing you can't show me there's nothing you can show me that i'm gonna like kind of shy away from or freak out about. No, it allows me to have this like huge infinite container of just like love, support, non-judgmental space and be like, bring it. Right. All of you, come on in. I'm yep. going to make some gluten-free cookies. What are you, vegan? <laughs> All right, cool. I'll make sure that, you know, like yeah. very nurturing, very comforting because it's like we're people. 
and we're all going through different things and we've all experienced different things and we're we process information so differently so it's like we we can't expect to like deal with things the same way and so these labels that you talked about these like you know like they, they are really painful to be categorized yes. as this like other oh you're bipolar yes. you're this other or you're like chronically clinically depressed you're this other oh you suffer from anxiety panic attacks you're this other yes and you're like no no i'm just wired a little differently and it takes me i my processing is 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 a little more sensitive or i haven't quite learned exactly my routines because i deal i for me i dealt with trauma so i didn't know how to value myself and so i learned to self-sacrifice a lot Right. And when you self-sacrifice a lot, you are completely depleting your energy source all the time. You're in constant burnout. And it's like you you can't be of service to others if you're not being of service to yourself and to your own self-care. And so I guess my next question for you, and thank you for sharing all of your wisdom and insight, because I think it's interesting your take on mental health and like how you reframe it the way that you do, especially when you talk about being symptomatic and experiencing these the full spectrum of human emotion Uh, so my question for you is so let's say like on a day where you have clients that you know you have to meet or you have things that you need to get done for the business but you're feeling particularly symptomatic how do you hold space for yourself and for like the things that matter to you in that moment if that makes sense it does oh man this is a good one because i've been in my previous work which i just let go of like in january I just bulldoze through everything, right? Or I would like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm out of town email kind of thing. I'll get to this in the next couple of days. Now, because I work with people who are incredibly compassionate and understanding who are energy workers themselves, um, I can very honestly say, hey, I am not doing that great today or these last few days have been really hard. Can we reschedule? And then I usually get this very beautiful response of like, oh, totally understand. I'm actually in the same place. Thank you so much for like reaching out. Let me know. I will hold, I'll make sure to send you like love and healing energy. Let me know if you need some Reiki. Like it's all these like beautiful. Um, and I love to call these like very feminine energetic containers, very feminine, like learning to, to slow down, learning your time is sacred, learning that it's okay to receive love and support learning it's okay to be honest and that doesn't mean that you're not doing a good job. Right. So this business now is very different. This business is I, I um, still struggle from time to time when I'm not feeling well because I had been so addicted to working. So I learned to put my depression into my work. So I swapped out my depression for work addiction right? So yeah. I'm like, oh, but I don't have any time to think, you know, I'm doing all the things yes. and you know, then I won't have these depressive episodes. Your chronic <laughs> so avoidance. I thought I was, yeah, exa- exactly. Where I thought I had been managing my depression, I was actually just pushing it to the, to the side. And then uh, when I would give it just a little bit of room, it'd come in full force. Um, so now it's, I'm still trying to get past the addiction, right? I'm still learning. Oh, I'm really tired and I'll keep working. And then I'm like, stop, give yourself some love. And then I'll just, I learned to really take on naps. You know, I learned to <laughs> really normalize napping and going, oh man, I don't feel well. I'm like, oh, you know what'll help? A nap. 
a quick little 25 minute little nappy nappy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I do. And it, it really has helped a lot. So just being honest with who um, I'm working with and where I am. And then um, just giving myself some time to rest. Yesterday, I was feeling particularly like anxious. And we we're, you know, I'm realizing I have this low level anxiety. So um, I didn't want to talk. I was in this really like weird space of like, I need to get all this work done, but I also want to like meditate. No, but I'm hungry. And, uh, oh, you know, and so I'm in that yes. space of there's like a thousand things running through my mind. I'm overly stimulated and I don't know which one to start. And I said, you need to move, mm -hmm. but not dance. I didn't feel like dancing. You need to stretch. Like I felt so wound up, but I was like, yeah. like a tight corkscrew kind of feeling like yes. I was clenched, tight, rigid. And I was like, I don't have time to stretch. I was like, you're going to go stretch. Girl, girl, go stretch. Like, Make I just found some really cool. Yeah, I just went to the floor in my pajamas. I'm like, I need to go put my yoga stuff on, my leggings. And, like, she's, and my other higher self was like, shut up, go sit down. You know? And yes. I'm like in my pajamas. And I'm like, fine. And I start, as soon as I started stretching, I almost within the first like two, three minutes felt so grounded. Yes. I started releasing all that energy, right? So that's another part of, um, currently how I'm navigating the whole making space for my mental health is really listening to my body. My body has been the best guide so far because like my mind will bypass everything. My mind's like, Nope, yes. you're good. You're fine. Keep going. You're okay. But as soon as I tap into my body, my body's like, bitch, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yes. can we please like take a minute? You and haven't like, can you just go sit down? Mm -hmm. like on a couch and just like veg for a little bit. Right. So. Mm, I love yeah. all of that. Thank you for sharing because I think that's important to note that if you're a coach or a mentor or a healer and you have clients, I feel that being honest with them and saying, Hey, like I'm just not in a space to, you know, conduct our session and I want to be in my highest version of myself or my, you know, highest vibration to hold space for you and honor you. And I think it takes a lot of courage to speak up for what you need, especially as a creator and as a healer, because you want to be of service and you want to hold that space, but you can't be of value if you're not being of value to yourself. And I really like um, when you were describing how you're like, oh, I need to go put on my yoga pants. But then my higher self was like, just go sit down. And it's funny because personally, I find when I'm feeling like that, I'll be like, oh, well, I need to do this and make my situation perfect before I can settle down. I need to clean my room. I need to vacuum the carpet. I need to clean the litter box before I can even roll out my yoga mat. And sometimes it's like we make those excuses to avoid ourselves and to avoid doing the work. And I find that when I too am overstimulated and I have like all of these to do's and I feel paralyzed that when I do sink into the ground or I sink into my body, the flow that I seek, the to do's will organize themselves like in my mind. I don't know if that happens to you, right? Mm -hmm. It just kind of like organizes itself. I'm like, wow, I just had to slow down and I, my, my mind and my body will organize it for me. And I think we try to control so much that if we just let go like the universe and our guides and ancestors and higher powers, like will help us be successful. It's not always up to us. And I think that's what we tend to forget as again, creators and healers and coaches is that it's not all up to us. What do you think about that? Leaning into that spiritual support. Yeah, I love it. Because it's like, um, especially if you're a channeler, 
Right. Right. And you're getting, you're receiving all these downloads all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Then you're like, uh, and then that's easy to get overly stimulated and overwhelmed. Right. And I love how you said that my mind is, um, it will give me like these little indication indicators of priorities instead of categorizing it goes, these are what's important. These right here, bing, bing, bing. And the rest will just fall into place because you just need to handle these things first. And I'm like, ah, okay, thanks. You know, I totally can relate to that. Um, I love that you're that your side will categorize it for you. That's cool. Yeah. I think that's the manic brain sometimes too, if I'm being honest, like when I am in the overstimulated, you know, walking the hypomanic manic wave, it's like, I do feel like I'm a computer and my mind is like, bing, 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 bing. And all of a sudden I'm like, I'm organized. I know exactly where everything is. But if I'm feeling more depressive, I'm like, well, I have all these things, but I don't have any energy to do them. It's like one or the other. And I just think it's fascinating when we think of energy and we think of these waves of perhaps mania and depression. And so when you are feeling symptomatic, you know, how do you discern between like how you're feeling? Like for me personally, having been diagnosed with bipolar each morning, I kind of have to let myself calibrate for the first hour to actually know how I'm feeling before I like decide how I feel. So I'm curious if you had like a similar experience to that and how you discern between the energies. Mm, That's a good one. Um, I don't, not recently when I was maybe like four years ago, like recently I haven't had too much of the really low and the really high. Like I said, I haven't had any like severe, I've been pretty balanced ever since I'm like, I'm this like weird death doula person who's intuitive, you know, like totally yeah. fully leaned into it. Um, that has been very healing for me, but before you're right. I, I think I should have been re- calibrating. Um, cause I didn't, I would just kind of like step into whatever I needed to and then just totally burn out. Right. Yeah. And I love your mania is very different from mine. Oh yeah. <laughs> your mania, I wish I had yours. Uh, my, <laughs> my mania is more like I can get very organized, but mine is more like the creative mania, all the ideas and all the things. And I start all these projects and I'm, you know, that's where my mania yes. is. And, um, I'll like reorganize a closet and then I'll start the garage, but I'll like, I'll leave the garage. I won't finish it. Cause then my yes. energy as a projector taps in I'm like, girl, you're done. You have no more energy left. Oh, I forgot um, you're a projector. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll push cause I can borrow energy from others, right. but I pay for it. Like yeah, um, in the long run. I was in my, yeah. When I was in my previous business, I would just like push through three, four days, if not a month of just constant and like getting stuff done. Um, but then it would take me like three months to recover. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. So yeah, but now I notice that um, I'm more cyclical in my cycle, my moon cycle, my menstrual cycle, and really understanding and learning that is where I am in um, my hormones, my energy, how I feel when I can get things done. Um, but I love the term calibrating, like recalibrating and calibrating every morning. Yeah, I really it's like, just like that. checking but in. Yeah. But I've noticed that. So for me, again, why I want to learn my cycles is I almost feel like every day is a little different for me because I'm sick, right? Because I'm chronically ill. I have mold sickness. And some days, like say if I was exposed that day, I won't feel that great. And I'll take me like a day or two, depending on the treatments that I do. right? Right. And then, so if I'm symptomatic with that or symptomatic with like uh, some underlying anxiety, I'm always like, well, which one is it? You know? And so the, the calibrating part would, 
would be a good thing to kind of bring into play every day where I'm like, where am I? Like just a quick check-in, right? Totally. I like that. Yeah. I totally love that. Yeah. Please take it because, you know, I've taken plenty of tidbits from you and kind of going back to what you were saying about um, how you haven't maybe experienced such dramatic waves. And what's interesting is I reflect on a guidance call that you held the space for for me. And we were talking about my experience with bipolar and my experience with experiencing these such dramatic waves. And I remember you just saying like, lean into the crazy, like just the minute you lean into the crazy, it's you're going to just embrace who you are like a lot more. And I definitely feel that the more I've expanded on my self-acceptance and self-compassion and just accepting the fact that this is how I am. And the more I resist it, the harder these experiences and waves are going to be. And I really just value the compassion that you hold for people with mental health because obviously you understand what it's like. And I think when you are diagnosed with bipolar and we've been kind of talking about this is like, I feel like those diagnosed with bipolar it's like we are meant to experience the full spectrum of emotions to such a degree. And like you were saying um, previously that we do that so we can hold that space for other people, you know, cause we know what it's like to be on like the manic highs and the really depressive lows. And so I think it's about looking at what we have as a tool and a resource and being grateful for the experience. And I, really have always taken that with me. So I I appreciate all the advice that you offer. And so that leads me to my question. Do you have any advice that's maybe on the top of your head for those listening, maybe struggling with these types of highs and lows? Yeah, I think it's sometimes it's hard. Um, But once I started seeing my perceived illness as my gift and as a superpower, right? I'm like, I'm when people are like, you're super sensitive. I'm like, yes, I'm super. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I'm super. You know? Yeah, you're super dramatic. I'm like, yes, I'm super. Yeah, it's my superpower. Thank you. I know. It's just, um, I started seeing it as like a way, like you said, to better understand everyone around me. And these are my gifts that I'm just having to learn how to like fine tune them, hone them in, figure them out. Uh, and that's why I'm always like, sit with yourself, like, and look at yourself like a research project versus like something to judge and criticize all the time. Um, so that's like right off the top of my head. And I remember one of the very first things that almost became like a mantra that I started saying to myself was like, you know what? And I would say this out loud to people too. And they would look at me like I was so ridiculous. I was like, you know what guys, you know why I'm so like clinically chronically depressed that if I was like a fully functioning person, I'd be taking over the world. So it's like my stopgap, right? (laughs) Yeah. So that's, I would like say that a lot of people and people were like, what, who says that? And I'm, I'm like, I have to say that to myself. Because if not, then what's, what's the, the other side of that is that I'm losing my shit. I'm broken. I'm, you know, not good enough and all these things. I'm like, well, if I can say that to myself to be that extreme on one end, why can't I be on the other complete total side of the spectrum? Right. To be like, I'm super, I have this like a kryptonite, like, you know, because if not, I would just like take over the world because then you start you start seeing how powerful those gifts really are, right? To be able to be that uh, in tune with others, to be able to be that, you know, um, reactive, so to speak. If you were to look at yourself like this uh, living organism that picks up energy and is able to, once you learn to transmute, to change, to bring that back 
to put that back into the world in this like love, nurture, supportive way, that is super amazing. That is so powerful. That is so big. And I think a lot of us have just um, not had guidance, mentorship, someone kind of saying, hey, look, I know this feels like you're losing your mind right now. And again, I'm speaking from my own personal experience and I've gone through extensive therapy. I've gone through so many years with cognitive and trauma specialist and I've done tapping and breath work and um, lots and lots of mindset books. Like, I mean, years and years of it. So I'm not saying don't go to therapy because I think we're all looking for the right tools that fit for us. Right. Definitely. But for me and my sake, um, like I've gone into visualizations now where I've told myself, like I visualize myself being 19 years old and being the person I am now. And just like looking at my 19 year old self and just going, you are so beautiful. You don't understand. Like you are so courageous, so capable. You have no idea what you're doing, but you're doing it anyway. And I can't say anything, but like, I appreciate and value and love you so much because we get to become this. We get to become this person. You held on, like you went through it and you just didn't stop. That's powerful. Although you didn't want to be here, although you wanted to kill yourself, although every day was a struggle, but you got to this place and you have everything you've ever wanted, you know? So it's like this, this incredible way of like, if we just had had a different kind of guidance and mentorship a little earlier on in our lives and not been seen as this like other, yeah, I think things would have been a little different for us. Right. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that very strongly. It's just, I, we were just misunderstood, you know, and where we were at and how we were processing the trauma that we experienced and, you know, the mental health struggles that kind of came from that, you know, it's like, we're all working in progress. And I think showing your younger self um, love and support in that way where you can travel back into that space and be like, Hey, like I'm here and we're successful as fuck and we're thriving as fuck. Like just keep holding on. Cause like, this is what's going to happen. And I too have experienced meditations like that and they're very profound and powerful and inner child healing or inner self healing period is such a profound way to show yourself, you know, unconditional love and support. And that's really the core of your offerings, I feel. And I would love for you to discuss, you know, where others can connect with you and like what offers you do have for those who'd like to connect with you in a deeper way. Yeah. So thank you for asking. I'm live on social media, right? I'm the death empath. You can find me at death empath. And, um, currently I offer guidance calls and there's, I love that you mentioned, I'm pretty much like a resource page, <laughs> lots of education. Um, but I'm going to be actually launching a community. So starting December, I'm starting my own little private Instagram group and where we get to come together. And it's a lot of self grieving. A lot of be like, it's going to be a lot of like, experiencing loss of self and identity and feeling like you had to be something you weren't or aren't, excuse me. And it's a a space where you can just really take all the like heaviness of what others expectations are and jump into who you are, what you're about, how to let things go, but it's going to be fun. There's going to be like karaoke and (laughs) death dancing. And um, again, lots of these embodiment practices, but I call them death dancing, singing your feelings out, dancing your feelings out. Um, it's going to have uh, monthly kind of calls and Q&A, like community guidance support calls, and just a, a place for us to really like talk about everything we're experiencing and going through as individuals who are trying to navigate how to come back to ourselves. Mm. 
I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. And I guess I didn't ask this question, but as you just ended on that question with that, I'm going to ask you, what does coming home to yourself mean to you? So I always talk about when you've experienced incredibly traumatic things in your life, there's like a part of you that kind of dies with it. Right. Mm, And, um, that version of you that you were, you want to, you were always trying to get back to that. We're always trying to like find that again. And when I say, um, one of the programs I'm going to be launching later is called reclaiming your light. Right. Uh, and it's about understanding the light never left you. It just changed. Right. But it didn't go anywhere. And it's almost like this new light, this new version of yourself that's been inside you all along. It's now time to really step into that and go, this is everything I am. Um, and you mentioned earlier, like I'm successful as fuck, right? I'm like, yeah, but I'm also weird and successful as fuck. I'm like, I'm that same person. I've always been just super, just myself completely fully like, this is me. I don't care anymore. You guys are going to judge me regardless. So might as well just love myself while you're judging me because I'm not judging myself anymore. Um, but that whole coming home to ourselves is really more about that. It's, recognizing a party that part of you never left although it felt like another part of you died and made space for this version of you and right. you get to fully take that on and go wear that and be like this is it this is who I am and I'm gonna show up like this because regardless of how I try to pretend to be or not to be I'm still not accepted I'd rather find people that love me genuinely for who I am and the only way they're gonna find me is if I show up as myself right and I'm going to fall in love with myself and who I am because others love me for being me. And that's really what I um, learned by stepping into my role as death empath, right? And I'm sure you experienced the same thing. We found this, this like community, this collective of people that are like, hey, I get you and I love you. Like all of you, all of you I think you're amazing. Yeah. And it's so special. And I'm, I'm so grateful that we've connected in our network and our communities and you know, the more that I think both of us dedicate ourselves to um, honoring ourselves and our self-care as well as showing up for our community and building out that community and creating intentional content, I think it's just, we continue to show our authentic selves and that you can be a thriving individual um, facing any adversity or triggers or symptoms and that it's all okay and all welcomed in that space. And I do believe that the communities we both have built have built because we've grown as individuals and that and we're attracting our tribe you know I want to say that with the most respect for indigenous cultures but you know what I'm saying like very much attracting Mm -hmm. the right people who are meant to be in our squads and in our realm of existence and creation and I'm just grateful to have connected with you here so thank you so much for coming on to the show today and sharing like your story it really means a lot yeah thanks for having me Jess because it's we now get to be the guides and mentors and coaches for the versions of ourselves that didn't get to have that guidance and support. Mm, That's so true. And I, as something I reflect on or try to reflect on, I think when I personally am feeling an imposter syndrome or I'm feeling that disconnect because I do feel so different. It's like, well, no, you know, your, your differences is what makes you, you. And that's who, you know, your ideal client or your, community is going to resonate most with is that authentic version of you. So for all you guys listening, this was a really wonderful episode to record. 
with Miss Jessica. And I really recommend you guys connecting with her at the Death Empath on Instagram and really check out her content, what's going on over there. And I truly hope that today's episode landed with you. It offered some comfort and support for wherever you're at in your healing journey. Know you're not alone. And thank you guys so much for tuning in.